Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Monday, July 11th, 2022. And our top story today, when did humans start to use fire? Will scientists enlist AI to find out? Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Philippe Mihalio is an archaeological biochemist at the Weizmann Institute in Israel. Phil, so great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is a great story, and, and um, a kind of, I'm interested in, in two paths. The first is early humans and when they use fire, and then the second part of this is the artificial intelligence aspect to detect this. But let's start off with the basics here. Um, when did early humans use fire? Well, that's a very interesting question, and this is something that we don't normally think about because it has been a cultural thing. But it has been hypothesized by a Harvard professor that this happened around 2 million years ago. So when hominids start leaving the, the trees, they start walking, exploring the surroundings. So it has been hypothesized about 2 million years ago. Now, the question is, how can we prove or disprove this theory? Because this theory, it's called cooking hypothesis. So men start to get other types of food and be able to cook the food, and that changed the biochemistry. So, you know, the skulls got bigger, the structure got bigger, you got more energetic reserves, so you could actually move to longer distances and not be attached to the food. So that biochemical change of eating food promoted, you know, a, a higher or bigger brain development and other capabilities that go with it. Yeah, and... and what I think is really cool is uh, a lot of us, myself included, uh, you know, we are hominids, uh, but, you know, it's often the earth is what, four and a half billion years old. The universe is 14 and a half billion years old, give or take a few, few years. So human beings have only been around for, sounds like about in their current form, about a million years. That, that provides a really interesting historical context to how long that we in particular have been uh, occupying the planet. Yeah, so I mean, I think that uh, some people even say that fire made us humans. I mean, that's a very strong statement, but they've been doing some experiments with, I mean, it's a bit different because now we are a different species, but still from the same lineage. Uh, and they've tried to, people tried to eat raw uh, food and they couldn't survive. So it has, at a certain point, it, it, cooking and the food has been essential and probably a million years, but probably two million, three million, we don't know. And the, the, what does not allow us to prove or disprove is whether we have the methodologies to do that. Because they're very, very old. Uh, we've made a rough yeah. calculations. Uh, we've made a rough calculations how many generations is needed on an average of a 25, 25 years old. Um, and it took about 35,000 generations to get from a million years up to here. So it's kind wow. of impressive. Yeah, I mean, that is impressive. And let's talk a little bit about the use of AI. And, and you know, in, in the old days of archaeology, you, you dug stuff up and you did, maybe you used uh, carbon data. I'm, I'm, I'm not an archaeologist. I've only watched Indiana Jones a gazillion times. So I, I don't know all these aspects of 
archaeology, but the new new technology has really helped improve uh, what you and others do to detect these things. Can you talk a little bit about how you have used AI? What so, that is, I guess, at first, and then yeah. how you use it. Of course, I would pleasure. So, I mean, there has been like this hype about using artificial intelligence for making uh, a lot of debate also about using AI for superhuman tasks, and especially dealing with a lot of data. And that has been the main focus, and probably that's what most of our viewers will hear. I mean, that they relate to the AI is the self-driving cars, the debate behind it, and going to the medical, are they better than the, the doctors uh, with prognosis? So medical and both medical and self-driving cars have been catching the attention of the people regarding the use of AI. So a few years back, we thought to ourselves, what if we introduce this AI into archaeology? Because when you look at the archaeology, I mean, we have millions and millions of artifacts that we can use. So we thought to ourselves, very why, what if we would implement this sort of algorithms with their adjustments to archaeology? So that was our starting point because people haven't done that. Um, and that was a kind of a challenging, and that's also fantastic advisement that we are the scientific freedom to do uh, this sort of uh, research. Yeah. And, and what type of, so let me get to some of the basics here because, you know, you're asked, we're really outside my area of expertise. But what do you need in terms of, so you've got all these data sets that come from all these relics and things that you have collected and others have collected over generations. Um, what type of computer do you need to do this type of work? I mean, we're talking about a super computer, uh, you know, the IBM Blue, for example, or Think Blue, I think it was called, uh, the ENIAC. I mean, what, what, do we, what does it take to produce the results to detect something like fire? Well, I mean, fire was just a small, narrow... Uh, area of, of the AI. And this, we can do it uh, nowadays with our algorithms. We can do it on a normal laptop. We do have other projects with uh, millions of data sets, which come from pictures. And those that we need supercomputers. Yeah. Uh, all right, Phil, I need to take a very quick break. and we come back, we'll talk more about how artificial intelligence can be used for archaeological discoveries and a lot more. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 
33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers. This free book reveals little-known secrets about annuity strategies that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. Call right now for your free book. And as a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, both absolutely free, for calling Annuity General today. Call 800-504-8194. Welcome back. We're talking this morning to Felipe Natalio of the Weizmann Institute in Israel. Philippe, Phil, thanks so much for staying with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I, and I guess I want to follow up um, our conversation about uh, the detection of fire and over 800,000 years ago. The fact that there are generations upon generations of humans that have cooked food. They aren't necessarily eating raw food to grow to where we are today. What's the future for archaeology as it relates to AI? What does this open up for you and the team at the Weizmann Institute? Well, I mean, there are two major pathways that we can envision. One of them is to use AI tools and all the data sets that are available in archaeology, like you said before, that they've been gathered for years and years and years and are in the museums that we could use and try to understand cultural evolution. And that's amazing. You know, when we think about the new, uh, new technologies that come in the market, why are they so successful? Why people picking up on those te technologies? And so trying to kind of reverse engineer or look into some sort of uh, technology phylogenetic, try to understand what were the cultural patterns that influence one technology over the other, why people decide to have jars made of this, why people prefer to have an iPhone rather than an Android. I mean, so all these things, you can have some sort of a cultural uh, phylogenetic tree where we can, can pinpoint what kind of influences and what made those people make those sort of decisions in terms of evolution. So this is one way. The other way is to expand because what we've done with the AI in the fire was that we've seen fire using this AI where it doesn't exist or in visually. Uh, and that was the power of the AI, what we call the hidden archaeology. So we don't see a visual because archaeology is also very visual. Um, and so what it does, because this is the sixth site uh, in the world that has been discovered uh, that is beyond half a million years. Uh, and I think with this sort of technology, we can expand to different sites and start mapping and even go further back in time, two million, three million, whatever, and then see where's the origin of fire, when people start to use that, how they control the fire. So getting more details that still are in a very um, obscure, not really obscure, but in the gray zone. What, when, very much under hypothesis, but no real data. Yeah. And, and I would imagine that this data that you're collecting allows you to kind of maybe even project forward. I know that the AI helped detect biochemically the fire, but it can also maybe 
you can create models about what humankind might evolve into. I mean, obviously there are tons of movies. I mean, you got the Minority Report. We can go further beyond that of what human beings will be. But I would think this would be really instructive for human beings and also our culture going forward. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I think that's one of the beauty, uh, the beautiful things about studying the past is that you can use that, and you can see that one very good example is climate change. You know, how do you build those models that you can predict what's going to happen in 2050? It's based on data that has been in the past, and then you keep adding normal uh, data that comes in every day, and then you can say forecast basically uh, what's going to happen. And that's a bit of environmental or weather archaeology, right? You take all the information from since uh, industrial revolution, you start modeling that, and then you can get forecast. So I think that the AI in archaeology can potentially do the same, that we learn certain behaviors from, you know, cultural interactions up to uh, evolution of technology. And that will be very useful for marketing, for example. You know, if you know how people will react to it, and we know that there is a lot of psychology behind any product that we actually buy. Um, so that could also have the implications of predicting the future, predicting human behavior, uh, yeah, by reconstructing the past. So that's the way I could imagine the future of AI in archaeology, that is like past and future. Yeah, and last question for you. This is kind of a softball hypothetical, but how different are humans today? I mean, we look different. Maybe we have less hair, uh, but how different are we today than when we first? And this is probably a question I should have asked you at the beginning, but I'm kind of curious, how different are we today from where we were when we first climbed out of the trees and no longer had tails and were walking upright? How different are we? Well, I mean, you know, biologically. Well, there's some differences like the, the brain, the skull, volume is bigger uh also the 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 structure is different and there are a few things that they are are different there's many things that we still preserve uh so there's a lot of biological i mean there's a heart there's a stomach uh the skull is different but you still have more or less the same sort of muscles you still have four fingers five toes five five fingers five toes so they are different because they are different species but depends what do you compare it to right i mean if but they are different i mean one thing that i can tell you from this experiment that we've done is that on this particular site that is like about a million years old what we've seen is that they were experimentalists you know because when we've detected with their ai when we look at the rocks we could see that they were experimenting i mean and 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 that is something that to me it was the, one of the most fascinating things I could see is that until today, we still are experimentalists, whether cooking, uh, looking at something to learn, I mean, our cap- capabilities of learning and also to invent and experiment, they're still there. And that is remarkable from the human lineage. Yeah, and we have that cognitive reasoning that I think really is unlike any other species that I can tell on the planet other than my, my uh, black cat, who I think is pretty smart, and my mother's horse. Phil, <laughs> we're going to leave it there. Great, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Really interesting discovery. Congratulations on the success. We look forward to having you back on on the program very soon. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to. 
drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? We'll visit our website and our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Are you being audited? And do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Is the IRS threatening to take more of your money? Don't fight the IRS alone. The Tax Doctor is here to help you negotiate your tax bill and reduce your stress. The IRS can freeze your assets and seize your bank accounts, but you can stop these IRS actions. The Tax Doctor will work with you using our years of experience to represent your case to help you get the best resolution under the IRS guidelines. Help is here to deal with the IRS to reduce your stress. We've handled thousands of cases, so we know what we're doing. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, do not call the IRS alone. Call a Tax Doctor now for a tax emergency analysis. Call 800-224-6439.